Hey guys, this is Joe. Get on the scale. Get off the scale. What's up, guys? It's Eric. There will be no food. This is a cleansing hike. Just Father Sky, Mother Earth, and your dear old Uncle Tony. Far away from everyday life is a magical, wonderful world. It's a fat camp? No way! You're fatter than I am. Why don't you go to the camp? From Walt Disney Pictures and the creator of the Mighty Ducks. We're as good as anybody. A comedy for every kid. I'm not so good at sports. Oh, yeah. And I'm Deion Sanders. Tired of taking it and ready <laughs> to dish it out. <laughs> Heavyweights. Rated PG. Starts Friday, February 17th. You're listening to We're at the Lafey, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think that the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. What's new? What's new, Joe? How are you doing? Not too bad, Eric. Not too bad. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, yeah, had a nice weekend. Bree and I went up to Vermont for a day. Uh, yeah, visited. This is how spoiled my dog my dog both my dogs but one of my dogs in particular so my bigger dog is afraid of thunder and lightning so i think it was saturday we were supposed to have thunder and lightning around here so i was like and brie and i like doing day trips anyway so i was like you know what i'm gonna look up a place that we kind of want to go that maybe has different weather so whether it was like somewhere in maine vermont western mass and we're just going to avoid the thunder and we're so so it, we looked at like the forecast of like where it was there and where it was here and it, it worked out perfectly we didn't really end up having that much thunder here anyway but uh so we drove up to Stowe, vermont went to idle time brewery in Stowe, which is awesome if anyone's ever up there um definitely check it out great beer super friendly staff but yeah it was good it was good nice. you anything good um I, I went to may on the weekend um but i did see two movies I forgot to mention one last week, and then I saw another one twice, actually, um, just because, well, I'll explain in a second, but I saw Suicide Squad. That movie was, nice. it, was it was okay. That has a way too high of a run to score, in my opinion. I, I don't really, I looked at the score after I saw it, I'm like, you know, it was enjoyable. It's like a 90-something percent of run to me. I was like, it's crazy. It's lots of, like, dick and, you know, fart jokes, but I'm like, okay, so it's, I don't know who the audience was, like. I know it's James Gunn. People love James Gunn, so a lot of reviews might have cared to the fact that they love him, but right. I didn't see where that review came, where that hype score came from between the critics. Um, I saw Free Guy, which I actually did really enjoy with Ryan Reynolds. It was nice. Oh, seeing, okay. Yeah, it was nice seeing an actual new IP that wasn't based on something, that wasn't a sequel. It was really refreshing to see a new IP for once. Nice. Um, I saw it in 3D. The first time I saw it, Lots of theater issues. We was cutting out. So it's like a, it was a huge mess. Eventually, got fixed, but we did miss like twenty minutes of the movie. Yeah. So they gave us all passes, whatever. And I went to see it again the next day, and finally watched it from start to finish. And I really, really enjoyed it. So if you want to see a fun film, definitely worth checking out because I love it. It's from the Boston too. Oh, nice. That's cool. Yeah. I uh oh well, Suicide Squad first. I haven't seen that like start to finish, but I went over uh, Scotty and Adams. Because that's one that like you can stream too, right? Yes, on HBO Max, I believe. Yeah, so I went over Scotty and Adams a couple couple weeks ago or a week ago, whatever, and they had that on. And not having seen any of those movies, I'm watching it. And I'm like, what is going on right now? Like, I had no idea at all what was going on. So <clears throat> I don't think that's. I, I I know it's a very successful movie, but I just don't think it's my type of 
Yeah, I'm, film. I'm pretty much. I think I'm... I mean, I was burnt out with the Marvel films anyways, like the superhero films, but it was... My eyes was the coolest thing at an R-rated superhero film, so I'm like, okay, maybe yeah. this is going to be cool, but end up just, I, I think, catering to a different audience that was not what I wanted to see, but it was so it was still enjoyable in some parts. Nice. Yeah, I've been watching, still re-watching The Wire. I haven't watched that. I, I kind of, I think the last time I watched it was like Friday night or something, but actually watched Juice the other day. You probably, have you seen Juice? You probably haven't seen Juice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard of it, yeah. though. It's, it's, I've, that's about all the... I, I, can't, I don't know no. if it's a series or a movie, but it's about the steroids, right? No, no, no. That's, oh, okay. there, is, there is another one. That I think I know you're talking about, but Juice is like an inner city like crime movie from the early 90s. It has like uh, Tupac in it, Queen Latifah. It's got a bunch of... But re-watching it, so re-watching that and then re-watching... I, I recently watched Above the Rim again for the first time in a while. And no joke no exaggeration it's a shame for a million reasons and he wasn't a good person and we're actually gonna touch on that later but i really think tupac was like he would have been i'm trying to think of someone now who's got that like he can do music he can do kind of like jamie fox i'll say donald glover yeah yeah someone like that he was so good in this movie and, and everyone else in it is like now an actor and i thought Tupac was like the best and then when you see him in above the room same thing so I mean it, it's it's kind of like a it's not an award-winning movie at all but it's just one that's always entertained me and then you'll like this one the other day I rewatched for the first time in a while uh, Adventureland oh my man I was just I was just so when I was looking at this list of, I, I have this list of movies I looked up like a week ago summer yeah. films that always pops up like first on the summer films category I love that movie man I can't remember I wish I could um, shout out the podcast that caused me to to watch it because they were talking about movies like that they had like a list and that was one of the movies and there was another one too that i i started watching it was more recent past few years and it was a girl's cast i can't remember what it was but i still have it on my recently watched something whether it's on netflix hbo so i'll get back to it but yeah eventually and it's i hadn't watched that in a long time and it, that's a good movie. I, 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 I think I liked it more than I remembered liking it, but I think I liked it more than I remembered. And I, I'm giving you this opening now for, because I was thinking about rewatching it. We have to be not crazy with it, but I almost feel like there's a loophole in our rule about movies having to be 21 years old to do it if the movie's set in the 80s. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like eventually, and not just like oh, it happens to be set in the '80s, but it's not really an '80s feel. But eventually, it feels like you're in 1986. It does. Yeah. It, the uh, the worn down carnival suit. That movie's so good because like they do a great job, which is what I look forward to in movies. Like where it's a good blend of comedy and drama, and that movie has a really good balance of you know yep. it's funny in some scenes, it's fun, but then in a quick turn, shit gets real. Yep. Yep. So. So anyway, today um, we're going to be discussing, you guys heard the trailer, you heard the quotes, we're going to be discussing the 1995 classic, uh, in my opinion, Heavyweights. Um, You heard the trailer and Joe's going to give you the back of the DVD summary in a few minutes, but it's about a bunch of kids at fat camp. So uh, to go with that, I'm going to be drinking Triple Berry Cheesecake Berliner from Weldworks Brewing. It sounds like something that kids at fat camp and myself would enjoy. 
Uh, and Wellworks never, every beer I've had from them is, is awesome. Like I said, it's a sour Berliner. It's delicious, super refreshing, especially on a hot day. So um, <clears throat> this one was my pick. This is one that not everyone has seen, but I didn't think that there were a lot of people that saw it and didn't like it. Apparently I was wrong. And we'll get to that when we talk about the Rotten Tomato score later. But this is one that I remember really, really liking and always thinking it was super underrated. underrated. Um, it's one that I quote all the time. And it's, it's one of those great movies because since not a lot of people have seen it or don't remember it, if I quote it and someone in the room gets it, it's like, we're friends now. Most of the, most of the time people don't get it and I just look weird. But um, if someone gets it, I love it. And yeah, I, I, uh, that's, that's pretty much it. What's, what's your memory of, of heavyweights? Pretty much just the same. I remember watching it the first time because it was like a Mighty Ducks 2 reunion. So that caught my eye as a kid. I was like, oh, come on. I know this cast because I love the Mighty Ducks growing up. Yep. Um, but this is one that I loved growing up, like you said, as a kid. It's been a few years since I've seen it. So it was nice to revisit it. It's nice seeing Disney Plus give it that extra life again. Because a lot of people are discovering it now for the first time through Disney Plus. Um, but this is one that we talked about before we were doing the podcast. This is like we get like we talked about like episodes we wanted to do eventually, movies we wanted to do. So it was nice to finally get this one out there. 60 some yeah. episodes in. It's so niche enough that if someone else has seen it, it's you become like instant friends. Yeah, and the, and the the good thing about rewatching this is I wasn't sure how much I would like it, but I I didn't have any worries that I would not laugh or that I wouldn't enjoy it because like I said, I quote so many lines from, from the movie all the time. Like, like the movie, the quote you use at the beginning, like get on the scale, get off the scale. I'd say that all the time. So I knew I was like, there's at least these scenes, this handful of scenes that are going to crack me up. And, and I, and I was right. Yeah. I, I remember loving the movie growing up. Like you said, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I'm pretty sure I saw this in theaters probably for the same reason that you did. Cause my brother and I were both uh, mighty ducks fans and it has carp from mighty ducks one. And then, Goldberg and, and Ross from uh, Mighty Ducks 2 and 3. Um, so that probably led us to theaters for that. And then I know we had the VHS tape because I can see it in my mind. Um, bonus question. Did you ever go to any sort of summer camp, Joe? Not necessarily overnight, but any sort of summer camp? So I I, I went to summer camp, not like overnight, but like it was day trips. You go there Monday to Friday. But I was actually going to yeah. bring up later on. I'll just bring up now, though. And um, I think it was, it was sixth grade. My school went to Ferry Beach, Maine, and it was this week-long trip. It was like in the boonies. They, you couldn't bring snacks. You couldn't bring unhealthy food, right? It was a it was a complete like it was like this. It was like a boot camp in a way. Like they want you like to really get involved in nature and whatever. My mother actually chaperoned that, and she, along with another mother from another kid, whatever, and then a teacher, Mr. Estes, who was awesome. They ended up finding this little like walking like a couple miles on the road they ventured off and found this little candy shop so they bought us all candy like we're sneaking back to the camp to give us like candy you know, like, hide them under treats. the floorboards and stuff we'll be, yeah we'll be biased. so the scene when we see like all the kids hiding their candy and their junk food i'm like holy shit that is such a reality my life. yeah <laughs> i my so I've, i same as you i never did an overnight summer camp except like in eighth grade when we did it was called nature's classroom. It was like a school trip for a few days, but I did do some day summer camps and I have, I, I reference this to Brie every time we hear this song. So we did the only, my only memory of this camp. And I don't even remember where the camp was, what it was called. I remember my friend, Adam, not, 
the Adam that I'm still friends with, just this kid I was friends with growing up. Uh, he went and I went. And at the end of the week or whatever, we did a, not a concert, but we all had to sing. The whole group had to sing uh, Lean on Me, that song. Yeah. And the whole, the whole premise of the concert was, or of the performance, was at the end of the, or whenever we said Lean on Me in the chorus, you were supposed to go like, this is an audio podcast, so no one's going to get this, but like, you're supposed to kind of do like fold your arms, like, like cool style and lean on the person next to you. And there was like an odd, I was in the top row of the, of the bleachers and there was an odd number of us. So it like ruined my childhood. Cause it was like, everyone leaned on the person next to them. And then I would just, it was just me by myself. <laughs> and then like, I looked like I was in like a, like a, an r&b group or something like <laughs> like, and i still whenever i hear that song i'm like oh god <clears throat> now and i told brie and now brie doesn't let me live it down anytime she anytime we hear that song she's like give me the pose give me the pose and i'm like <laughs> but um yeah so we both grew up loving it do you have any stats as far as how you did how this did financially i i didn't even look i can't imagine it did too well i couldn't find a budget for it i i look over the internet all i could find was how much it made but um Heavyweights came out on February 17th, 1995. And like I said, I couldn't find a budget on the film, but it did make $17.6 million in the box office. It was written by Judd Apatow and Stephen Brill, and directed by Stephen Brill. Judd Apatow, who really doesn't need an introduction, here is, his name is Wally Familiar, has been involved with many public TV shows and movies, and essentially launching the careers of many well-known actors working today. Um, Stephen Brill has been involved with lots of films as well, writing all the Mighty Ducks movies, um, writing and directing Little Nicky, Directing Mr. Deeds, amongst others, and most recently directing Sandler again and um, Hoobie Halloween. And if you saw Brill, for everyone out there who's like, all right, I know Judd Apatow, who the hell's Brill? If you saw him, whether it's from uh, Wedding Singer or from the Mighty Ducks movies, you'd be like, oh, that guy. I've seen that guy before. Because he, he put himself in at least two, but I think all three of the Mighty Ducks movies. And he's also in Wedding Singer. He's uh, one of Glenn's friends. Um, so critically, like I said earlier, I was a little bit disappointed with the Rotten Tomatoes score, but 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb, that didn't surprise me. That was like kind of about where I thought this would be 29% on Rotten Tomatoes, which that seems way off to me. I know this isn't, this isn't like an AFI top 100 film, but that seems a little low. And I actually couldn't even find an Ebert score. Or an Eber review for this one, so I'm gonna go ahead and assume he hated it. How many reviews does it have on Rotten Tomatoes? Um, you know what? I didn't even look. That's a good question. It's probably like like three angry people. Now, I'll uh, be like, you know what? Screw them. But if it's like, you know, seven. Okay, doesn't count then. Right. So, all right. So, you said it came out in February of '95. Yeah. So some other stuff that was going on uh, in the world at that time. First in film. Uh, Billy Madison came out that month. And like I said, I think I mentioned this in passing at the beginning. This movie was older than 95 to me. For some reason, I thought if you asked me to guess when this came out, I would have said like 93 or something. 95, I don't know. That's not what I would have guessed. But Billy Madison came out that month. Quick and the Dead came out that month, which is a guilty pleasure film of mine that I've watched a million times on like TNT and TBS and stuff. And also the Brady Bunch movie. Outside of film, uh, Tupac, who I just, you know, talked about how great of an actor he was and how he was like, he was a phenom and he would have had this crazy career if he wasn't killed. 
not a perfect person, not the greatest guy. He was convicted for a sexual assault uh, that month and sentenced to four and a half years in jail. Also, Riverdance started in Dublin. Megan the Stallion was born. That's how you're impressed that I know who that is, Joe. I'm, I'm, I'm up with the, I'm cool, I'm hip. My wife told me that pretty much. <clears throat> and then this one you're going to love, Joe. Brian Wilson from your Beach Boys. He got married that month. Oh, awesome. Brian Wilson, people... the, only, the only member of the Beach Boys is not a complete fuck up right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how his marriage is going. I don't know if he's still with that lady, but um, Roseanne Barr was also married that month. And a famous wedding and probably more famous honeymoon, Pam Anderson married Tommy Lee in Mexico. And there's footage of it somewhere in case you guys didn't know. You're actually remaking that as like a series. Oh god! Oh, I don't know about that whole that specific thing, but a Pam Anderson series. I know Lily James is Pam Anderson, yep. but I'm like the fact that they're actually. I'm sure it's gonna lead into that. So that's like what pretty much you know. Yeah, defined her career. Unfortunately, I feel. How long can you talk about Pam Anderson without mentioning <laughs> that in some way? Like, no offense, she, you know, but that's a yeah, that's a huge part of her. <laughs> what what she's for her for. career? Yeah. Right. Right. So, um, so. As far as people that are involved in the movie and what, what they had going on going into it, we, you kind of touched on, it was written by Judd Apatow and Stephen Brill. And like you said, everyone knows who Apatow is now. But at this point, he'd been a writer for the Ben Stiller show, the Larry Sanders show, a few other TV things, uh, The Critic. And he would go on later to write for Freaks and Geeks, Undeclared, and a bunch of other things on TV. But in film, this is kind of his, his debut, his, his big break. So he was the produ- one of the producers and the writer for this one. Uh, and then after this, it was a while before he got back to, to film and to movies. Once he was back, though, he was kind of, he was the Judd Apatow that we all think of with Four-Year-Old Virgin, Knocked Up, Pineapple Express, Funny People. This is 40, King of Staten Island, and on and on. So, um, yeah, it's, it's funny to go back and watch this and realize that Judd Apatow was involved. It's just I don't know. It cracks me up. And, and it's, it's, nice it's a his, his track record has been like it's held up though. Like even like yeah. for his first film, like this is so funny and it still holds up really well in twenty twenty one. It's great. Yeah, and then Stephen Bro, we kind of talked about already, and you mentioned, but uh, wrote for, wrote the Mighty Ducks for this. This was his uh, directorial debut. Uh, went on to direct little, like you said, Little Nicky, Mr. Deeds, Without a Paddle, and a few other lesser known films. The early two thousands were definitely the best years of his career. Also a little bit of acting, like we said, you'd know him in, as Glenn's friend and the wedding singer. Uh, some of the guys, a, a couple different roles in Mighty Ducks. He's the, uh, is he the cameraman in this movie? No, that's Alan think... Covert. Okay. Who I, I'm, is I'm, another. I, I, I need to look up who Stephen Brill is now. Because now like, I'm interested. He's the, he's the guy in the wedding singer. He plays uh, Glenn's friend who goes, he says something like, oh, your wife, I heard your wife let you left you at the altar, man. Oh man, that sucks. Oh yes. Okay. And, uh, Adam Sandler's like, yeah, my my parents died when I was twelve. You want to talk about that? And he's like, why <laughs> yeah, would I want to talk okay. about that? So, um, uh, yeah. So <clears throat> now the cast, but yeah, Alan Covert. I'm actually glad that you you brought that up. So he's another guy. He's uh, the cat, the homeless caddy in Happy Gilmore. He's in Grandma's Boy. He's in a million other things. So this movie you can kind of see the Judd Apatow touch on this, where there are a bunch of people in this movie who, and I'll talk about it later, some casting I would change, but um, even I'm, I'm going to pronounce, mispronounce his name here in a second, but Paul Feig, Feig, he's, he's another guy. There's a bunch of people in this movie that are hilarious and you may not know them by their name, but then you see their face. You're like, Oh my God. So the cast, 
Ben Stiller. He had some smaller roles before this, but um, probably a year before this, his career really took off with Reality Bites. <clears throat> then this in 95. Small role in Happy Gilmore in 96. Something about Mary in 98, where I think everyone would agree he jumped up to another level. Uh, Meet the Parents in 2000. Zoolander in 2001. Later on, he had Along Came Polly, Starskin Hutch, Dodgeball, Meet the Fockers. All in, those are all in 2004. Quite the year. And then after that, he had, you know, Night at the Museum, Tropic Thunder, a lot of other ones. He's, um, I think it's, yeah, he's definitely the most established cast member from this one, I would think. I mean, him and Judd Apatow. But yeah, so uh, Tom McGowan, who played Pat, known more for his stage uh, work, but he did have some TV work in Frasier, Everybody Loves Raymond, ER, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Modern Family, other films he was in, uh, Sleepless in Seattle, Birdcage, and As Good as a Guest. So if you haven't watched the movie in a while, Tom McGowan, like I said, plays Pat, who's the heavy set guy who's been going to the camp ever since he started going when he was a kid. He's been going to the camp for 18, 18 years. So he's, yeah. yeah, he's the main counselor cast member, you know. So other than the kids or maybe with the kids, he's the main cast member. Um, Paul, like I said, Feig or Feig. Um, he played Tim, who's the, to give you another reference or another point of reference, he's the guy who used to be heavy set, lost weight, and the kids pick on him, but they still love him. The kids pick on him for losing weight. So um, he was the director, producer, and writer of Freaks and Geeks, director of Arrested Developments for some episodes, also involved with Weeds, The Office, 30 Rock, Mad Men, Parks and Rec, and then in film, he works a lot with Melissa McCarthy. So Bridesmaid, The Heat, Spy, Ghostbusters, so again, quite the career. Yep. And if you just saw him, you wouldn't think that because a lot of his work is done behind the camera, but clearly a comedic genius. So, and you mentioned this when you, you talked about why you would have seen the movie. The kids in the film, like a lot of the other 90s movies that we've done that involve kids, kind of the same cast of characters. Aaron Schwartz, who you might recognize as Carp from Mighty Ducks 1, which I looked up, by the way, he looks like a model now. He's like shredded, really? completely different, yeah. Um, Sean Weiss, or Weiss, who played Goldberg. Uh, Keenan Thompson, obviously, you know him from, he's now, now he's on SNL, but you know him from all that. Keenan and Kel, Gerd Berger, Mighty Ducks 2 and 3, quite the career. He's, he's probably second place to Ben Stiller. Well, if you count as far as on screen Apatow's behind the screen but from this cast he might have had the second yeah. oh I guess Jerry Stiller too he's a smaller role but um yeah so so good cast um what did you have down for random facts behind the scenes stuff so I have um some of us probably know this but in case you didn't um while Ben Stiller played the parts of both Tony Perkins and his father the Bushkins were played by his actual parents Jerry Stiller and Ann Mira um Sean Wise was originally not interested in acting in this film, but he changed his mind when he found out that if he did not act in heavyweights, he would not be allowed to act in D through the Mighty Ducks. So I again, that. that was that's kind of a wild, like weird Disney. Yeah, it's kind of like who he's been in the film for two movies. Why would they get rid of him in the third film? Exactly. I know, they had Julie, I know they had Julie the Cat Gaffney, but he's one of the only guys that did every movie. It's him, Charlie, Banks, Abe. Averman, yeah, Connie Moreau, yeah. So there's a the gee, but the, there was a bunch of other ones who, that's, that who was dropped a, that was, off. That was a power move. That was a power move. Yeah, it's weird. Like, well, that's kind of a weird thing to do. I would for, like to, to fact a kid. check that. I would like to <laughs> I fact know. check that. Yeah, but go ahead. Sorry. Um, in 
2012, during a PBS telethon, Jerry Stiller and Ann Maris spoke to the camera side by side, just like in the Camp Hope promotional video. The same music that played in the Camp Hope promotional video played in the background. That was a really cool fact. And then my last one here is while filming the scene where the kids have a party after locking up Tony Perkins and restoring the camp back to the way it was, Aaron Schwartz, who played Jerry in the film, injured his arm. His cast had to be hidden in scenes featuring him throughout the rest of the film. That's a good one. I always love stuff like that. I don't love people getting hurt, but I love just the having to adjust on the fly. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I had a few. Um, as part of his first date with his eventual wife, Judd Apatow tried to impress Leslie Mann by showing her this film, which I just think is funny because I don't know exactly when they met, but the other things that he had in his on his resume that he could have shown them, I love that he's like, I'm going to show her heavyweights. That's awesome. <laughs> so, um, on the Blu-ray commentary, Judd Apatow states that he once ran into Paul Thomas Anderson and he told Judd that he loves heavyweights. Oh, that awesome. makes me like Paul Thomas Anderson even more because obviously completely different type. <laughs> of film that that guy makes so I, it's cool that he can not take himself too seriously and uh, appreciate something like this um four cast members in this movie would go on to direct at least one movie that had box office success so ben stiller paul again i'm sorry for mispronouncing this paul feig or fag um judd apatow and peter berg who peter berg peter berg yes yeah he was like he was like his cook. cameo his cameo is so good <laughs> yeah. yeah and another another good cameo cameo all this is, I guess, is really I, 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 honestly, I don't think it comes as a cameo, but looking at where he is now, right? No, but no, the, the another cameo that I and this is less of a cameo because the guy has quite a few scenes, but uh, Jeffrey Tambor as uh, yes. as Jerry's dad, that was awesome. So, yeah, that's about it for I have for, for random facts. Um, stuff if, that wouldn't fly. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'll say if you want me to, why don't I read the back of the cover real quick in case anyone, oh, yeah, my bad. Here, yeah, in case sorry, anyone hasn't actually seen every ways, which is a Pretty fair shot that that's possible. And yeah, it's a complex plot too, so we need to. It's a complex plot. As you probably get the idea as we're talking about this here. So Jerry is not looking forward to a summer vacation since he'll be spending it at a camp for overweight boys in order to shed pounds. Fortunately, a kindly couple, the Bushkins, run the camp and make the process fun and relaxed. However, they're soon forced to declare bankruptcy and sell the camp to Tony Perkins, um, a fitness fanatic who turns the camp into a living nightmare of over-the-top training. But the kids plan to fight back. By the way, I love during the bankruptcy scene when they're announcing it. You see Jerry Stiller is getting dragged off. Don't let anyone, don't let someone and sign, sign your checks. checks. <laughs> I, I was, and I know it's a kids movie and it's a movie and whatever, but I was wondering about how illegal it would be to take money. So like kids like Jerry, his parents put a deposit into, or maybe paid for the whole summer in advance. And they're like, here, take care of my kids. This is what we signed up for. It's it's this agreement. And then without telling them or getting their approval, it gets switched to the new owner who runs like a military boot camp yeah. and starves them and whatever. But <laughs> how fun did the camp look and like before the change? The video of like, watch. Oh. oh yeah, the video you watch the kids like, oh, go-karts. Right. And even when he gets there, like like the counselor seemed cool, although a little weird yeah very friendly very friendly the counselors yes yeah so <laughs> a little weird but stuff like the blob ever since i saw this movie i'm like i want to i've never done i've never jumped on one of those things like the blob it's like where you if you guys haven't seen it it's like a giant inflated pillow almost and like one person could sit on the front of it and then someone jumps on the back of it and launches them up in the air into the water that looks so fun yeah i was like 
I would have, if I was a kid, I would have signed up for this camp just to do that stuff. But <laughs> yeah, no, good. Yeah. So the plot's not too complicated, but it's, it's a fun movie. Um, as far as stuff that wouldn't fly in today's environment, I don't really know where I stand on this because it's a fad camp. There are fat jokes. There are kids, there are adults making fun of like fat kids, but it's, it's a movie. It's a comedy. Get over it. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm sure there would be someone who's, you know, upset with it. But and yeah, the morals, the morals, like the moral story is just be yourself. Like we learned right. that's any of the film. So like, while the premise of it is about fat kids at a fat camp, it's all about just being you. Right. Right. So what did you have down for your favorite scene? Cause we might have the same one, but I have a, I have a backup one. Just so in case the way in scene makes me yeah. laugh at my opening quote. It's just, it's the scene is just so good. We start off by having the first kid goes up there gets way out to like this is like the halfway through their session now at the camp so we have this the first kid come in <laughs> the vessel is being filmed for he wants to market this is like his promotional video to market for the future like infomercial infomercial rights get other people interested so he is like all excited for this like reveal he's the first kid to come up on the scale the first kid gains two pounds then he's like okay you know we, we can fix this by changing his diet and whatever He's like, muscle kid, weighs more than fat. Weighs more than He's fat. still positive. He's yes. still positive. Yes. And then the second kid, Jerry, um, who's the main character in the, in the kid squad, he comes up and he gains nine pounds. So this is where Tony loses his shit for a moment. Tells the cameraman to stop filming for a second. Just pretty much reams them all. Says he's cheating and all that. But then he has the camera turn back on and we see Josh, Sean Weiss, who played Goldberg in the Mighty Ducks, come up now. And as he's like, okay, get on the scale. Once he steps on for a second, cut the scale. <laughs> he just immediately so doesn't go off. He's just, he's, just, he's just fed up at this point. That <laughs> scene, I was in stitches. That's the scene that, like you were saying before, I so quote this scale, like that scale yeah. quote every once in a while. Like, get on the scale, get on the scale. Like, that is my favorite thing for this movie. So my favorite parts of that scene are, there's two things. Um, it's the, how convincing Ben Stiller is as a total psychopath because he'll <laughs> be like his ability to switch back and forth. I'm like, all right, turn the camera on. It's like, all right, kids, come on. And he's all positive. <laughs> and then he's like, turn the camera off. And he just berates them and talks to them. Like they're like the lowest of the low. And then he talks to himself. He's like, yes. calling himself down the corner. Yes. He's like, oh, why, he's why, why mind, did man. they do this to you, Tony? And he, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, he, that, that scene is amazing. And that, that's Ben Stiller's best best thing in the whole movie so i had that down too but another one i'm kind of a, a close runner up to me is the scene that starts with so ben stiller tony and his his gang have taken over the camp and, and they start to raid the kids room because the kids have candy and deli meats and everything stashed in their rooms like in these hidden places and then josh so again uh the goldberg sean sean weiss um, he sticks up for Jerry with like, and, he, and then he gets Tony with the Seymour Butts joke. And then Tony kicking him out of the camp and then watching the rumor spread about what happened to him. And some yes. people saying he was killed. One person's like, he's living with a legless homeless person. <laughs> and, and that is so accurate to how kids handle stuff like that. Like it yeah. just spreads like wildfire. So I didn't make a, a, a mention too, because I, I had this down, but I didn't want to. <laughs> I know what you have, so I don't want to take two of yours in case, but now that it's not yours, I also throw in the scene that 
when they're about to like trap him, they have him doing the he's gonna he lifts his head up into Goldberg's uh our Josh's butt in this case. Yeah. But then the way he reacts, he cry chops Josh's legs. Yeah. <laughs> that like not the not the stuff that they pull, but the fact that he cry chops his legs, we like just yeah. falls over, it just made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's because they tell him they're like so and so says you can't do a a sit up with your eyes closed or something like Look, that. You can't see your hair. Some of his hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, that was good. And then one other short, like two second clip that I laughed out loud rewatching it this time. When they're having the the dance with like they have their camp and the girls' camp down the street or whatever. <clears throat> At the dance, when uh Pat, so like the main counselor, asked the nurse who he has a crush on, Nurse Julie. He's like, did you catch Lars's outfit? Who Lars is one of Tony's um, counselors, and he's he might be the MVP of the movie. He's the funniest. He's a total joke. He's like, he's supposed to be like German, I guess, or yeah, I don't know, I don't know, yeah. And uh, they look over. He's like, did you catch Lars's outfit? And they look over at him, and he's like, very aggressively solo dancing by himself with the DJ. And it's it's like two seconds, but it cracked me up when I was rewatching it the other night. Yes, Lars is definitely one of the best act, best part of this movie. Was I almost use his quote? I thought it was, "Please put your fat finger down" or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I love what I almost use when he says that. Uh, I'm feeling skinny, Tony, or something <laughs> like that. So, um, but again, that's seriously what makes this movie better than all the other movies that are kind of like it. Is yes, you have Ben Stiller; he's hilarious. But then you have the kids are great, like Josh so josh burnbaum who plays or no sean weiss who plays josh and then keenan's hilarious um they're all the kids are funny but then you have funny lines with jeffrey tambor and uh everyone like everyone everyone in all the smaller roles are, are, are great so um what did you have down for the soundtrack i had one note and that's it so i have the soundtrack consists of mostly licensed tracks but they fit the setting pretty well songs like la freak you sexy thing and i want candy all race the soundtrack and they're exactly the types of songs I'd picture in a film like this before even reading into it. Um, and the score is composed by J.A.C. Redford, short for Jonathan Alfred Clausen Redford, who has worked with this team a few times, scoring the music for the Mighty Ducks films, and has worked with tons of other films and TV shows. Um, his last thing he composed for movie-wise or entertainment-wise was um, a Pixar short in 2008. He's since been playing music live with his most recent work, Confessions, taking place in 2017. Oh, nice. So he's still active, maybe not so much with the movie <laughs> industry, but on his own, doing his own stuff. Nice. I, the only note that I had down, I, I was pretty... The soundtrack was pretty mediocre, but for how mediocre it was, it did have some moments where, like, I talked about this with Sandlot, like... Um, like Saturday night or you sexy thing. Like still when I hear those songs or like love machine, I still think of that scene. Yeah. Um, so that was good. And then but the thing I really liked was it opening with like uh, with not really opening, but kind of with closer to free, which is just a great 90 song. So I thought the soundtrack was okay. Didn't yeah, hurt the film. I, that's what I feel too. Yeah. And it had some, had some good moments. So yeah. what did you have for, if you could change one thing? So while I liked how the group wanted you know, a reason to overcome the cool guys during the tournament at the end of the film, uh, the, the camp tournament they have together, it just didn't fit in well, in my opinion. With Tony essentially being the villain in this film, the movie sort of ends with him getting kicked out, in my opinion. 
Um, I sort of wish they found a way to add some more scenes throughout the film with him. And if they were to do a final tournament with the other camp, make it super fast to show us that they can still beat them as themselves. But they sort of dragged that whole third act a little bit with after having a pretty strong first two acts. So if you can't, you know, understand they want to try and hit that hour and a half, 90 minute runtime. Um, but I think they dragged out that whole end camp tournament a little too long because Joe. Tony is amazing. And once he's gone, the movie's pretty much over. Joe, I had pretty much word for it, the exact same thing. But I, I understand what you're saying and the problem they were they had though because the movie even as is is like an hour and a half right so if you cut off that 10 minutes you got to put it back but i wouldn't have minded 10 more minutes of jerry at home before he right he was he was going to fat camp or 10 more minutes of just like interaction between the kids but yeah i had the same thing too much after tony leaves end it with the nurse talking about like making healthy meals and kind of like losing weight and getting healthier on your own terms them rebuilding the go-karts and jumping on the blob like you said you can mention so so you get that like they got their fun life back but they're also making some improvements but on in their own way you don't need to have them competing against the other camp you can even just have it like as a mention like oh we beat the whatever camp that year and right whatever so no I, you, I totally agree did you watch the end credit sequence you stick around <laughs> for the end credits yeah okay you see uh ben stiller as a salesperson yeah. <laughs> Yes. Tony the salesman. Yes. Um, one thing, just because you said that, that bothers me sometimes when I talk about this movie with people is they draw the parallel between Tony in this and Ben Stiller in Dodgeball. And they hold it against this. And I'm like, this movie came out first. Yeah. <laughs> so really, that's on Ben Stiller, I guess, for taking such similar roles or on the person that cast him that way in Dodgeball. But you can't hold that against heavyweights for. But anyway, one more unrealistic change in this, because um, I get that this movie, like you said, it had not the biggest budget um, going into it. Another more well-known cast member as a counselor. I thought the cast was great, but I think it would have helped the film financially if they had someone who was just a little bit more well-known. Like someone I was thinking of playing a kind of a similar role uh was i want to i just want to make sure i don't mess up his name yeah so richard karn who played like al borland on on home improvement he was someone who like you know he's a portly fellow but he's he was just more well known and then i also this sounds really like cold but i thought pat getting nurse julie was a little unrealistic especially where the worst part of this movie was the cheesy line at the end where he's like, what does he say? Like, I'm going to kiss my girl or something like yeah. that. And I'm yeah. just like, oh, that that the last 10 minutes of this movie knocked it down, knocked my score down half a point, which is crazy because the first hour and 20 minutes, it, you know, but anyway. So speaking of scores, um, if you've listened before, you know we rate movies on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to keep this movie? So a score of one is you turn it on. You don't even, maybe you get so upset that uh, Jerry's family is sending him to fat camp that you just turn it off because you just can't take that. And you don't want to risk paying a late fee. All the way up to a score of five, which is you're going to watch it one, two, three times. Keep it a few extra days so you can watch it a few more times so your friends can watch it. Maybe even just buy it from the video rental store. So this one was my pick. So Joe, uh, you go first. What are you giving heavyweights? 
So he always was at one time or shall by all the other great Disney films that came out in the 90s. But thankfully, as years, you know, continue to go by, this one garners more of a following and people continue, continue to discover it. It features a lot of great kid actors who are familiar, who are familiar parts of Disney's, again, their nice library with some newer faces who do a great job uh, and make this chemistry feel real between all the kids at this camp. And then we have the adults who also have some pretty great scenes. But in my opinion, Ben Stiller playing Tony is the highlight of this film. And it probably should have ended very shortly after he was no longer present at the camp. Despite dragging a bit in the end, the jokes still land. And for a film that has its core audience aimed at kids, I found myself laughing through a lot of it. I give it a 3.5. Yep. No, that's that's all fair. And I'm going to be pretty much right there with you. And this is going to bother some people, especially back to back with Caddy by Caddyshack score. <laughs> a three. <laughs> yeah. But I also gave it a 3.5 out of five. And I honestly, like I said, I would have given it an even higher score if it wasn't for the last 10, 15 minutes. But rewatching it again, I can see that it's not perfect. I understand that if you didn't see this as a kid, like if you tried to show this to a kid now who had no attachment to it, who didn't know that. Uh, Sean Weiss was Goldberg and Keenan Thompson was from Keenan and Cal and all that and all that stuff. It would, it wouldn't hit them the same at all. And I totally admit that, but I did see it as a kid and more importantly, it still cracks me up at, at, at some points and there's still lines that I can reference as an adult. So for me, it's, you know, my podcast or as our podcast, we can give it what we want. I'm giving it a 3.5. So, um, that's about it for for heavyweights as far as talking about that the beer uh was freaking delicious uh triple berry cheesecake berliner from weldworks brewing if you can get it do it if you can get anything from weldworks i would say do it because they have i think i mentioned this when i talked about the beer at the beginning never disappointed me follow us on instagram uh we are at worth a late fee suggestions are always welcome um we'll be back next week and speaking of suggestions i'm Joe's picking next week, but then after that, I have some listener request suggestions that I have to start rattling off and going through because I've been putting them off for a while. So we'll be back next week, and it's Joe's pick. So, Joe, what are we talking about next week? Continuing the uh, the summer theme here for a little bit longer, we are going to be watching Weekend at Bernie's. That is a movie that I have seen a handful of times, but I have not seen since I would guess the late eight late sorry not ladies late 90s because i i have like an in my head i have a vision of me watching it and just from that vision i can tell i was in this place where i'm like that was i was not i feel like i the last time i saw that was like 1998 or something yeah. it's a film i only saw once just like up with caddyshack and the caddyshack mm-hmm. and like almost like i, I don't remember a lot because it's so long ago so this is almost yep. like again a, a fresh watch for me so All right, we'll be back uh, next week with Joe's Pick Weekend at Bernie's. Thank you guys very much for listening, and we'll see you next week or talk to you next week. As always, thank you.